amazing episode of Roll or Die. Obviously, you know, the, the mustache needs no introduction. The, the, the mustache game is strong. His jiu-jitsu <laughs> game is strong. He's just an all-around epic legend. Ollie Smith, welcome to the show, brother. Yeah, thanks. It's really cool to chat to you guys, yeah. Awesome, man. And I'm coming at you out of Thailand today still. I'm stuck here because I'm, I'm a loser who forgets to get COVID tested before I go to the airport. But I know you, you started off, like, not, not, like you actually were, when Absolute was setting up the gym here, I think you lived in Thailand for a bit. Did you, did you live here? Yeah, I did. I did a stint in Thailand for, uh, I think it was four months, a few years ago. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, I kind of had a feeling that something was going down in Thailand, but I think I left on about four days' notice to go to Thailand. So wow. it was like, yeah, Simon called me up and said, hey, do you want to go? And I said, yes. And he said, can you leave on Tuesday? And I said, hey, man, um, you know, it's a Friday. Give me give, give me a minute, maybe a couple more days. And he went, yeah, yeah, okay. And then he called me back and went like, nah, Tuesday would be good. So, um, yeah, so I left on pretty short notice and ended up, uh, I think I was supposed to do like three months or something at the start and then stayed a little bit longer. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that was that was really cool when Absolute Thailand was changing over from uh, Lion Gym, I think mm-hmm. it was called. Yeah. Um, yeah, and now it's Absolute MMA Thailand. Yeah. And what, what do you like? You were involved in the in the setup, Ollie. Yeah. So when Simon initially um, bought it or changed the lease or whatever it was going on, um, it was yeah. I think it was called. I think it was called Lion Gym. There is an enormous lion at the gym. Like if you go there, <laughs> it it looks like a joke. It looks like something you'd see in Vegas or something. Like it's an enormous lion. And that's the office. Like the office is underneath the lion. And wow. It has this huge head. And then there's, you know, room enough for two big rings. And then there's a huge back area, which was a third ring, like elevated ring. And then we knocked that down and put in jujitsu mats. Uh, and then there's like a row of bungalows there and stuff. It's a really awesome place to, to train, like saying that unbiasedly, like it's all open air and like awesome location as well. Like Rawai is in my opinion, like one of the best spots in Phuket for sure. Wow. Yeah, I, I, when I was here, like, because I hired a motorbike and I just, I've been, so I've been kind of grooving around on 30 days for a motorbike. I saw, like, Top Team, the Phuket Fight Club. I was actually going to go and do jiu-jitsu there, but I didn't get around to it. I was too busy eating Pad Thai and doing other things. But Tiger yeah, Muay Thai, AKA, I didn't find Absolute. I actually, like, I, I was keeping my eye out for it. I didn't make it. I haven't done any jiu-jitsu anyway, but... Yeah, I, I didn't end up coming across it, but I don't think there's any digital yeah. on their timetable at the moment. There might not be because it was all closed due to the COVID nonsense. So everything yeah. was locked down and a bit different. I think they've opened up again like literally a week ago or something like mm. that. Um, maybe even maybe a couple of weeks, but it's uh, yeah. it's not next to, it's probably like 20 minutes scooter away from all the other gyms. Yeah. So there's... Um, what is it? It's like AKA and top team and whatnot are a little bit, I think top team and um, a couple of the other gyms are on one main strip. And then like AKA is kind of the other direction. Yeah. I'm and just going to quickly share my screen. In the middle. I'm just going to quickly share my screen. Cause I've got the map up here. Um, yeah. Nice. So let me know if you can save it. Yeah. 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 Um, so top team, fight yeah, club, yeah. tiger. Yeah. They're all, all on that same strip, which is, it's a really cool strip, but it was just like, 
it's a bit busy for me, you know, like AKA Thailand's really cool. It's a bit tucked away. And then Absolute's even more tucked away and close to like Nihan and everything like that down the yeah. bottom. And um, Nihan's yeah, amazing. A awesome yeah. Spot. yeah. yeah I and Nihan is literally like, like 10 minutes scoot from Absolute. So it's oh, super close. Yeah. Wow. I spent a yeah. lot of time in Rawai and Nihan, but I just didn't come across it. And because I wasn't actually doing, and because I couldn't find any jiu-jitsu on the timetable, it was more just, for fun, just kind of seeing these places. It's amazing. The gyms are like outdoor. You train like yeah. in this kind of platform and there's, you know, it's, it's just an amazing atmosphere. And like, yes. like there's a fish market next to the place or whatever, you know, so it's like you're, you're immersed. Yeah. It's not just like, you know, like what we're used to in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And Ollie, Anton left off a um, pretty big credential for you. You're a, one of the main coaches of Absolute Collingwood. So you've played oh, a big yes. part Sorry. in their. Um, <laughs> never than the last time you do the intro, Anton. Damn it. Um, <laughs> you know, this is, you've really, I think, played a big part in the, the culture there. We, we've had Sean on. He talked about it briefly. What, what's your take on the, the culture at Collingwood? Because, in my opinion, it, it's great. I'm glad you That's like it. Yeah, it's really great. We should probably say that, Kim, you do uh, show up to some morning classes. So this is not a, a paid podcast or anything like that. But um, <laughs> I do, do appreciate your attendance. Um, it's, Try to it's, get the uh, ladies. Try to get more women. Yeah. And the, and the women are, are, are strong there. We've got like at least like there's probably a group of about 12 chicks that kind of rotate through. There's usually a few in each class. Um, and, and that's really good to see. Um I think the culture overall is really positive. It's, it's kind of Nogi focused because um, the MMA team trains out of Collingwood. So we get a lot of people who are doing jujitsu to improve their MMA grappling. Um, so not as interested in the gi, but really good wrestling, really good top pressure, good kind of urgency in getting to the top and not accepting bottom position, which I think really helps the Nogi grapplers prepare as well because that tends to be the way that uh, I think modern the Nogi game is going so yeah I, I really I think the culture is really fun you know it's relaxed there are hard sessions and there are more soft sessions um, and by that I mean within each session you can have a chill role or you can find some animal getting ready for a fight and you can kind of mix and match your own um, sort of training partners to find that intensity that you want. Uh, as far as the culture goes, I think it's really relaxed. Um, you know, we're pretty informal. It's very casual. Um, you know, I, it's, yeah, I just try and make it a, a fun place to, to come train and learn some stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that actually like leads into the next part, which is like when I, when I come to your classes, man, you've got this special magic quality, which I don't really find very well. So it's like, um, yeah, it's fun and relaxed but at the same time like ridiculously technical there's some what, like what do you talk a bit more about your coaching style because I really I, I can't really even put my finger on what it is but I just you know I love it and everybody around you loves it so what do you focus on um thank yeah, thank you it's a bit embarrassing but um yeah <laughs> I, I I think um I think people learn best when they're relaxed and having fun and, you know, you can joke around, but that doesn't mean you can't absorb some details and really fine tune everything as well. Yeah. Uh, I think like I always emphasize trying to play around and, you know, start light and then build up to the more um, aggressive kind of rolling. And there is definitely a time and a place for 
really hard out physical rounds. But I think most of the learning done is, is done during during the, the play, you know, during that gray area between white and black. So I, I don't spend too much time um, getting people to do kind of carbon copy reps. I think I, I like to just explain why a technique works and what's making it work and then let people really figure out how that would fit into their own game and, and kind of make it their own. I think if you try and get people, everybody doing the same thing, it just gets a bit um, a bit boring and almost like you're trying to compare yourself to somebody else's level of detail doing the exact same thing rather wow. than trying to fit it, fit it into your own game and just trying to like, you know, maybe you only learn it so that you know how to shut it down when somebody else does it to you or, or maybe you just take that key ingredient that's making it work but apply it to a different position or, or technique that you do and you can make that technique better. Or, yeah. And I'm really big on giving people time to practice their own specific training. So in almost every class I teach, I um, teach a technique, do some specific training, and then I give everybody their own like a couple of rounds each to practice their own specific training spot because yeah. everybody knows what it's like to go into a class and have something that they're thinking about and then never get to practice it so mm -hmm. i think if you just like if you have something that's been bugging you all night and then you know you're doing that technique you're a little bit more motivated to um, to get that technique done if you know you're also going to be able to work on what you need to work on yeah. and then as far as teaching goes, I think people then go better on the technique and the specific training that you just did if you give them time to do whatever was taught in class and then whatever they want to work and then back to whatever they taught in class to kind of refresh the brain a little bit. So, um, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot, man. And yeah. that does feel like your class. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely feel there's a, a real learning uh, focus in your class that um, – probably even more than other coaches. Have you got any advice for people who are, you know, especially people who are new, like white belts who are coming in, who maybe don't really know, like, what should I be focusing on? What should I be learning? What sort of advice would you give to them uh, for how they can really get that, the most out of your classes about that, that sort of learning? learning thing? Yeah, where should that, they, where should they go? I think just try and have fun, you know, like, I think there's that um, kind of like when you learn something, you want to try and do a few reps and you want to try and get it right. And then the more details you can get, but oftentimes I'll, I'll kind of add something onto the end of it and then encourage people to like, don't worry about getting it perfect. Just worry about getting from A to Z and assuming that sometimes you're going to miss steps. Sometimes, you know, you don't, have to do a step because it's already been done for you or it's not that important and you're going to get there anyway so rather than kicking yourself about missing some tiny little detail that wasn't necessarily important worry more about the timing and the setup and when to do it like uh, I think that the perfect technique done at the wrong time will never work but if you get the technique kind of right but you get the timing perfect it's probably going to work so I think just mm -hmm. encouraging people to to kind of like yeah, try and get it right, try and concentrate, try to figure out why it's working. But then when it comes to the specific training, just like relax and have fun and whatever happens, happens. You're not there to, you know, compete with each other. You're just there to, you know, most people are just there to have a sweat, learn something different and, yeah, just, you know, spend some time being social with other people or blow off some steam or whatever other, you know, yeah. everything else. They're not necessarily there to be able to perform some syllabus with every, you know, step checked off a checklist. I don't think that's people's goal really. Yeah. Right. 
Sure. And I'm really, really itching to ask you. My son's been hassling me like, like just sent me a message yesterday. I want to take up jujitsu again and MMA and Muay Thai. I'm like, hell yeah. But I feel like underneath that, he wants to move along to the point where he, he's going to have a fight. You know, I think that's what he wants. And you recently had a fight. I don't know. Was it your first fight? Uh, no, I didn't have a fight. I had a grappling match. And I think that that's a really good distinction to make. <laughs> like, I think I think lots of jiu-jitsu guys get carried away saying that they're fighting all the time. You know, like I've been punched in the face a few times and that feels like a fight. I yeah. think a grappling match is, uh, is a very different rule set. But I did have a match against um, against Jimmy Crew. It was uh, um, like a modified ADCC rules um, oh, match. Wow. So I, I, was, I wasn't allowed to uh, heel hook, but wouldn't have made much of a difference anyway. I, I ate shit pretty hard that match. To be well, honest. talk us through that. <laughs> talk us through that, man. Uh, yeah, so I think I was away on holidays and I had been away on holidays and then I got a message from the organisers of the Salmon Challenge, uh, which is like a, a normal competition for, uh, I think it was Paul Mergey, I'm not sure. Uh, and was. that was a really cool competition. And then afterwards they had some super fights. So um, they wanted someone to go up against Jimmy Crew, and um, and yeah, I said yes. Oh, I asked if he could punch me in the face first and they said no. So then I said yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, Jimmy Crew was really good. Like uh, he was a really nice guy. As soon as I walked into the uh, event, I'd never met him before, but um, you know, he came up, shook my hand, introduced himself. And, um, and then we just kept running into each other throughout the day because we had to wait around for a few hours. Yeah. And um, we, we ended up just, you know, chatting away here and there and it kind of made the whole thing go pretty smoothly, really. Yeah. So this is the guy, like, he's a UFC fighter. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's an absolute beast. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was, um, I was feeling pretty skinny by the time I stood next to him, that's for sure. Well, but, uh, I don't, yeah. 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 And what actually happened in the match? Yeah, so in the match, um, the video will come out and tell you just how much of this is lies. But um, <laughs> I, pulled, I pulled, I, I pulled guard, and um, and he started pressuring forward. I, I went to close guard. Um, I'm pretty confident with my close with my close guard, uh, but I, I couldn't get much going at all. Like I think I had, I hadn't really prepared for uh, somebody who was so good mm. at shoving me down and keeping me and keeping themselves really safe uh, within close guard. I know that. I, I think that his coach is a really good close guard player. Um, and I just couldn't get anything going. Like he kept switching his hips really powerfully and trying almost like Sao Paulo style passing where he was trying to like um, switch his hips and push my legs down. And I was, um, I was trying pretty hard to move him around. I had a good like head and arm grip at one stage that he kind of shoved, he, he shoved me like not not anything out of the rules or anything, but he shoved me to the point where my ribs were really sore for four days. I felt like wow. such a small child. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then by the time uh, I tried to open up my guard, I made a pretty bad guard retention mistake um, and he passed my guard. And then that was kind of my opportunity gone really. Like as he was, as I opened up my guard and tried to get things going, uh, yeah, he, he shoved basically like wheelbarrow through me past and I shouldn't have given up that pass so easy. I managed to turtle and get back to guard the first time around. And then I was, yeah, it, I was sucking some wind by that stage. And then the points were on. 
and I kind of had to make something happen. So I, I threw up a triangle, which he was ready for and passed off and I turtled again and he, he asked me. I think it was like the last minute and wow. I, knew I was down on points. So I, I tried to make something happen and it did not go well at all. Wow. So, um, but, but he was really nice about it. Um, yeah, he, he was a gentleman for sure. What a legend, man. And well done to you too, man. That's a, that's a big, that's a big achievement. Like lose or win against Jimmy Creek. Like the fact that you're going up against guys like that, that's, that's awesome, man. That's good fun. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that you got a call out, man. Like, don't don't sell yourself short. That's yeah. that's awesome. Um, yeah. Wanted to talk with you about Nogi. Like, it is the future. That that very much seems to be the uh, the vibe in the jiu-jitsu community. And yep. um, yeah, so just wanted to hear your your thoughts on what what do you think? Where's what's next in the the Nogi world for jiu-jitsu? What what do you see? Give us your thoughts. I think a big thing will be. Um, a no-gi grading system, which um, which gyms start to adopt. I mean, there's already 10th Planet and they're a huge gym. Like anybody who kind of knocks only no-gi schools don't really, you know, give 10th Planet all the credit it deserves. And they have some amazing competitors and, um, and some really good coaches, great technique. Like they're just a really well-marketed gym, obviously, yeah. but uh, they're a very good gym. And, um, and they're no-gi and they still give out belts and they still have a, a ranking system. But I think that that is kind of just so that they can, can compete in IBJJF or whatever competitions. But I think the more competitions that come out like a grappling industries where there aren't, it doesn't matter what belt you are, it's beginner, intermediate or advanced. And you can pick the division that you think is right for you. And mm. they'll keep tabs on you as well. If you've entered the beginners or if you've entered the intermediate or something like that, and you keep smashing everyone, they're going to not let you do that again. And you, go the advanced group, which is, I yeah. think, a really good way of doing it. Um, and I think it also kind of takes that pressure off. You know, oh, I'm a blue belt and I missed grading and I really wish I could compete with the purple belts or, I'm a, you know, I'm just wrecking shop at blue or purple and I would love to test myself against brown and black. Like, I don't mm. think there should be that, that same, that division. I think you should just be able to jump in and have a role and shake hands at the end of it. And um, what happens, happens. And yeah, I mean, you've got people like Cole Labate, who's fresh 17-year-old who just won ADCC trials and he's a purple belt. You know, you've got like the Rolotolo brothers and, you know, there are just some savages out there that are proving how the belt system is um, very traditional um, and, and there is definitely merit behind it. But I don't think that it should dictate how... Um, people choose to participate in the sport. You know, if you don't want to train gi, I don't think you should be made to train gi just so that you can grade, just so that you can compete. And I don't think that that will be the future. I think that like, I think that there are some pretty big things happening in the, in the no-gi world and, and um, you know, and there's the more people who enter a competition, the more money that competition makes. And, um, and grappling industries is a good example of a competition that beginner, intermediate, advanced, and you, you, compete where you think you should and then um yeah and the, and the sport will get bigger because of it and that's good for everybody so yeah what you were saying actually sometimes happens the opposite you'll get a blue belt wanting to enter beginner which is just smash everyone to get those medals so I right. think hopefully they keep tabs on those people as well because yeah, yeah absolutely it goes the other way and there are some guidelines like um, on their website and things like like a, a, a website like BJJ Comp, which is a really great website that organizes all the events. 
they keep a track of how long somebody has been competing for. And when you register to a competition, they give you that record of somebody's competitions. So if somebody enters into the beginner category and you can see that they've competed five years ago and four years ago and three years ago and two years ago, then you're not going to be able to enter the beginner category. So the more yeah. technology that we have keeping up with all those things, uh, and BJJ Comp is an awesome record for all I think you mean Smooth um, Comp. Smooth Comp. Uh, sorry, Smooth Comp. Smooth <laughs> Comp. Uh, my bad. Is, uh, yeah, so... So, but websites like that that keep track of everything will will kind of squash that. And yeah, 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 the the future is here, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. And what about like stripes for for Nogi? How does that work? Do you have any ideas or thoughts about that? My stripes kept washing off my blue belt anyway. (laughs) I think I got given the same stripes like six times or something. So I got given two stripes at once a few times. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I've always said like a, a belt is something that holds your gear closed and I don't wear the gear very much. So, yeah. you know, I don't think that, you know, you roll with some MMA guys and they have amazing wrestling. They've got a few of their go-to moves. Good luck holding them down. And yeah, yeah, you're going to tell me that they're not an extremely high-level grappler. Like, yeah, uh, yeah I think, um, yeah, yeah, times are changing and uh, and it, it's for the best. It really is. I think... Mm-hmm. Um, I think that tradition doesn't necessarily mean good. Tradition just means repeated. And yeah. um, and, mm. I, and I think that the more people who are coming to the sport, uh, the better. And I think MMA is a really big driving force between uh, four people who come to jiu-jitsu. Mm. Um, and that encourages more no-gi as well. So Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, like brain injury is a real thing. You know, like if you want to take... Um, Muay Thai or MMA or any striking sport seriously, then to spar at a hard level, there is a certain level of risk. Obviously, you can spar in a controlled way and um, you're not going to you know, end up slurring your words after a couple of years of, of sparring, so to speak. But um, and, and that's another thing that gyms are improving greatly. But if people want to roll really hard and, and go after it in a jiu-jitsu, it's a really safe way to do it. And then they can still kind of see those skills that they're developing when they watch the UFC and when they watch wrestling and when they watch other things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Would you take an MMA match? Like if you were, if, like, is it, is it interesting? Or? Yeah, I'm really tempted. I'm really tempted just because uh, I, I've, I've done a lot of training with the MMA team mm. um, just to help, help them with grappling and, um, and just kind of out of my own curiosity, but I see how hard those guys train. And I mean, like, I'm not even that interested in jujitsu competition. I really love coaching. I really love learning. I really love passing on skills and setting up a, you know, a positive environment. Competition is something I kind of like make myself do every now and again, just to make sure that I can, you know, empathize with people who are preparing for a competition, yeah. understand what they're going through a bit more. And obviously it's a good learning experience for my own game. It would be awesome to compete in the ADCC or something like that. But like as far as the legitimate high level competition aspirations, I'm, I'm realistic in the sense that I, I know I'm a good coach. Uh, I think I have some good competition results and performances, but um but MMA, to take it really seriously and do professionally is a whole other level of athleticism mm. and preparedness. I would still like to challenge myself with a couple of amateur fights for the experience and so that I can one day maybe 
if I end up running my own gym, I can take some intro MMA classes and be like, yeah. guys, this is going to be pretty grappling heavy, but I have been punched in the face a few times, but I'll be able to get you through these first few weeks of your classes kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, not, not to do it at a, at a high professional level, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, got it. Are you going for the ADCC trials next month? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And awesome. and don't get it wrong, like I'm training really hard. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm busting gut. I'm watching lots of videos and then analyzing my performances. I'm trying to become a, a better athlete. I'm lifting better. I'm eating better. I'm sleeping better. I'm I'm really sharpening everything. And we have Lachlan Giles leading the team at Absolute MMA St. Kilda. And his approach to training for the last however many years has been very ADCC focused. So we are an extremely well-prepared team and I think there are lots of people who are going to do very well and I hope to be one of them for sure. Yeah, for you, sure. What can you pass on from what you get out of that leadership down to people like me who just roll to keep fit and learn skills and grow? Like what would you, what, 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 what can you take? Like when I'm coaching businesses, for example, I take what the enterprise level big, big you know, companies are doing and try and teach that to small companies. Like if you take elite level training and you want to offer some of those things to people who just do jujitsu, you know, what, 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 yeah. what's the most important thing you think or things? I think, uh, I think video analysis really helps. I think if you film yourself roll and then watch it back, you have this feeling of like the first time you do it, you will be shocked. You will look <laughs> at it and be like, oh my, is that what I look like? And then you'll get used to watching yourself roll and it will become a little bit easier to watch, but it's still pretty difficult. And it's because you're used to watching really high-level matches and high-level grapplers make everything look easy. And you've watched hours of that shit on Instagram, and then you watch yourself flopping around like a wet fish, and it's just so hard to imagine that you are any good at anything ever. But I think that the analysis of your own roles really helps. And then setting up, like from that analysis, figuring out where exactly your game plan went awry. And sometimes you'll realize that what you think your game plan is, is completely different to what your game plan actually is. Mm. Um, and I think that there are usually a couple of key spots where you've missed an opportunity to funnel it into something that you're good at and something that you want to be at. Mm. And then if you can specific train those very, very specific spots over and over again, with very simple parameters, like very narrow parameters, then you get better at funneling it into areas that you're good at. Wow, I love that. I, I agree 100%. I think for a long time I only ever filmed myself at comps and sometimes mm. the way that you roll in a comp is not really that true a reflection of your actual abilities <laughs> because yeah. there's so much going on, you, you know, you're so overwhelmed. And I think it's actually pretty simple to set up a phone in a corner of the mat in class yeah. and just film a couple of rounds and, and mm. then watch it back and see how you go. So, yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, wow. it helps so much. And, Ollie, uh, off the mat, you and the lovely Mel have uh, recently got engaged. Really? How, yeah, okay. how is that having a, uh, a strength coach as a partner <laughs> and yourself? Like, tell us about that, your home life. Oh, I wonder if she can hear me now. She probably can't. Um, <laughs> It's great. It's really nice having Mal at the gym. Like uh, now she's coaching strength classes out of Absolute Collingwood. So the same gym that I coach at. Uh, it's nice to be able to go in there some mornings uh, together. I think Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we both we both teach. 
Oh no, she's listening now. I'm in trouble. It's really nice. Like Matt, Mel is a natural coach. Hey Mel. Hey Mel. Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so uh, Mel's a really natural coach, and um, and my approach to strength training is nowhere near as disciplined as my approach to jiu-jitsu which i think was a little bit hard for uh, us to start with because uh, mal would be like look this is easy and i think it kind of often happens a lot of experiences i've had with strength coaches uh, I-, I might roll with them on the mat and they'll think that i'm really strong and then they'll be like so just warm up with this whatever kilogram whatever and i'll go that's impossible. Mate. That's, that doesn't, doesn't work. Um, I'm good at jujitsu, not at lifting things. So, Mal, but Mal is really good at understanding that. And even simple movements like a hip hinge or that is necessary for a squat and a deadlift and whatever else. It seems simple to people who are really experienced lifters or have been lifting for a while, but it's not. It's like there's a lot going on in sort of order of operations of getting your body moving correctly. And that really helped me kind of catch up on a few steps that other people assumed that I knew that I didn't perhaps Mm. know as well. So Mm. that was really nice to kind of have Mal like, kind of like, okay, Ollie, we're going to actually make you an athlete now. So for the last like few years, my strength training has gone a lot better because Mal has been able to, just kind of tweak things here and there that I've done wrong for a long time. Um, and so, yeah, it's been really good. Been and what, what, what have you noticed, like, as that's come on? It's been gradual, of course, because that's how it works. But what impact has that had on your game, your jiu-jitsu game? It's nice to – I think the main <clears throat> reason I wanted to roll is for injury uh, – to, to lift and get better is for injury prevention, basically, mm-hmm. like – I'm tall and got a skinny neck, so uh, a lot of the inversion and shit that I do is um, is tough when you have big guys like Dan Schwartz and whoever else hanging on your neck. So yeah. I try not to um, put myself in too bad of positions too often, but I often get you know carried away as everyone does in training and and really push it. But lifting has just corrected my posture a lot and helped me be a bit more familiar with how my body should move and should mm. feel. Um, and it gives me just another point to come back to. Mm. So rather than like, oh, I'm feeling good enough to roll, I should be okay. Just I know what I could feel like and I know what my posture and my shoulders and my back and my hips, I know what they could feel like. So it kind of lets me aim at that. A little so bit. more like more confidence and more understanding of the full range of possible motion. Yeah, big time. And then just... Um, a, a little bit of strength goes a long way as well in terms of um, in terms of just enduring your, your session. So maybe I get an extra roll or I'm, I'm just more aware of maybe not rolling as many rounds, but trying to be, go harder with the rounds that I have in preparation for the, you know, under 99 kilo guys, you know, like I've always been one of those people who rolls every round and, probably rolls after and then you know it's just always moving but um in terms of preparing for a six minute match against 100 kilo dudes it's not necessarily the best preparation so um it's been good to just have some more information behind all that what would you suggest for someone um whether they're a hobbyist or a competitor or whatever for strength training like how many times a week what what does it Uh, look like for you for me it looks like uh three sessions a week so uh seamus has written me a 
Seamus Hayes, absolute kettlebell beast. Um, he's written me a pretty low volume kettlebell um, workout. And it's, it's kind of hard whether you're like, whether you're trying to peak and then taper off and things like that. All other sports have like a preseason and then a maintenance phase while you're competing and then a bit of downtime and then a preseason. But jujitsu isn't necessarily like that unless you have your eyes on a couple of big competitions and then you're orientating everything around that. So, um, so yeah, you can lift heavier when you're further away from a competition and then leading up to a competition, you can ease it off and just kind of keep the body moving and do like more of a maintenance load and then, put more work into the the rounds and into the specific training. So yes, yeah, so I'm by no means an expert, but I'm, I'm trying to get better for sure. And motivation. How do you, how do you maintain like consistency or motivation, motivation for consistency? I just try and choke Dan Schwartz. And then <laughs> when his impossibly thick neck really yeah. pisses me off. I go, all right, I'm going to go lift a bit more. <laughs> He's got a picture of Dan's neck on your wall, like in front of you. Like Pretty much. His, his lack of neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Um, no, but really, if you want to roll more, you got to lift more. And it seems counterintuitive, but uh, they, they both help each other. Okay. And Ollie, I mean, you are a bigger guy, but I've never um, – felt like you use your your strength or your size certainly with me or, or no with strength. any of the because i got zero strength <laughs> with, with your, um would you have any advice for bigger people who are rolling and how they can maybe partner with people who are a bit smaller because often there's going to be times where there's not a lot of similar size people to them on the mat so yeah i think um I don't know, just don't be a dick, basically. I think, like, recognising that, that, that say, if I'm having a round with you, Kim, and I think we had a round not long ago, um, you know, I can tell if you're coming into it with kind of that, like, 70% intensity kind of thing where you're, like, having a proper round, you're not flopping around, you're keeping your grips sharp and your movements precise. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's my 70%. That's your 70%. So I'm at my like 65%, but I, I am just trying to be accurate and light. And if I and if I miss a pummel or if I miss a frame, I just try and be kind of cognitive of that and recognize that I've missed it. And instead of bench pressing you off me, respect that you've gained that little bit of ground. And that means that against some of my own size, my arm would collapse or, or whatever it is. And I think that, um, mm. that, yeah, you can still get a lot out of rolling with, with smaller people. I think mm. that, um, that there's no reason why you, why you can't. Uh, and the more training partners you have, the better. And I think sometimes I like to just let other people work a little bit so I can try and learn what they're doing. So often, I guess, when I'm rolling with my students who are less experienced, say if they're developing their own game and I want to figure out where I can help them, I'll just kind of throw up some roadblocks at whatever percentage uh, kind of annoyingness and then see where they get stuck so I can, I can help them rather than... Um, but then in terms of if you're a bigger dude and you're not as experienced, I think a lot of my students are, are really good at just sort of 
like for example, if you get to mount, instead of having your knees really far apart where you might drop your hips and be smushing someone, you can have your knees closer together. So your weight's a little bit further off them. And there are just some really simple things uh, like that so that you can still roll and go through all the positions, but you're just not making somebody carry all your weight. Yeah. Awesome. I think we are nearly out of time. Did you have any other questions, Anton? Or no, but maybe Ollie, if you want to, like, there's two minutes forty-five left according to this clock. Um, so, like, is there anything you want to get out to the world? Anything you want to announce? Any um, acknowledgements you want to give out? Any like parting words of wisdom? Anything at all? Um, I have a, as far as a shameless plug goes, I have a training mm-hmm. journal which I uh, which I sell on relentless.com.au, and that's. Um, uh, something I'm getting going with my good friend Amit. Um, And I think that that training journal is really helpful. Uh, Write down what you do after class, write down what you're working on, write down techniques and concepts, and it helps add some continuity for your your training. And basically it it helps me uh, work less, which means I get to train more and become a better coach, which- I've used used your training, the early version of your training journal, and I loved it. It was transformative for my- training just to be able to write like you, you just forget what you've studied in class and what the key tests yeah. were etc and to be able to reflect and actually you know um like retain is huge especially since i can't remember yeah. what it, you know yesterday let alone yeah absolutely yeah. I also use the training journal. I, I fully endorse it. I think it's great. Even to look back now, I look back as a black belt on all the stuff from that I did. And sometimes yeah. I see, my God, the mistakes I was making then, I'm still making now. So right. Like, yeah, you yeah. kick yourself. And that's what video <laughs> yeah. recording does as well. So I'll yeah. definitely do that. And then just lastly, um, massive thanks to MA1 Combat, particularly um, Simon Carson there. He's always hooking me up with gear and, and helping me out. Um, and absolute MMA Collingwood where I coach absolutely MMA St Kilda is where I train yeah uh, yeah big thanks to all the people yeah. I, I train and, and coach absolutely so definitely people should get out there and support you and buy your journal and also every once in a while you put on these little like training mini comp groups. workshops yeah, yeah they're so good I've done one of them and you get us all together we fight each other then you give us video reviews and breakdowns I've just yeah. learned so much out of that as well and it's not it's not expensive it's just something I'd like to do once a month or something like that so I recommend yeah, totally. reach out to Ollie if you're not if, if you're looking for something different. Give it, give yeah, it a- shoot me a message. There's going to be one going down this this Sunday. So uh, yeah, always good to have um, new people into those groups. So, All right, come do your six thirty a.m. classes. Absolute Collingwood. Everyone yeah. be there. Nice and early. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Thanks for doing much, this. We will see awesome. you soon. See you on All the right. Bye. 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 Bye.